Hello and welcome to another episode of Sensational She Geek live from Yancey Street. Today is Monday, October 11th, 2021, and this is episode 37A. We actually have a fairly decent sized news segment planned for the beginning of this episode, and as such, I will kind of go over what we're going to be talking about now. It's going to be, well, one big rumor coming from one particular source. It's three rumors coming from one source that I'm going to discuss how these may be connected or even the legitimacy of the source, and they are all MCU related. That's where we're going to start for the news. This morning we did have a new Eternals featurette, um, and they've been kind of drip-feeding some mini-trailers to us over the past few days, so we will be discussing that in preparation for the movie coming out in less than a month now. We also had some really big news about Saga, the unparalleled comic book that if you're a comic fan and you're not aware of, you are definitely in the minority. And also if you haven't read it, I would also say you're probably in the minority. We have some news about Saga. Uh, and then there is some Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special rumors, as well as the official casting of Adam Warlock for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. News about John Kent joining the queer community, and then I will actually mention briefly House of the Dragon, because that was a trailer that dropped last week, and I did not mention at all, but I kind of meant to, um, and I actually only got around to watching it today, so we're talking about it today on the podcast. That'll be the new segment. I'm really excited for all of those things. Uh, and then we will move on to the new comic book day pull list. Comic books that are going to be coming out October 12th and 13th. That is Tuesday for DC Comics and Wednesday for everything else because DC just had to be different. Uh, there's a good number of stuff that we're going to be discussing on this week's comic book pull list. And just as a, I haven't mentioned this in a while, so I'll do it again. When I talk about pull lists and pick lists and things like that, I am in no way, shape, or form covering anywhere near the entirety of things that are coming out in comics and are good in comics. I just don't have time to cover, to personally read all comics that are good. It's just not... I like Moonshine. Moonshine is a great comic. I don't, I'm not reading it, my husband's reading it, and he just goes completely berserk over every issue because it's fantastic. I just don't have time to add it into my schedule of things that I already read, you know? So uh, there is a lot of stuff like that. So if you are listening to me going over these weekly pull lists and pick lists and are just like, I don't understand why people like these comics, if that's where you're coming from, do not fret, there is literally a world of comics out there um, that is I don't even cover because there's just not the time. It's just not realistic. Um, so definitely, you know, if you don't find anything interesting that I talk about but you still want to read comics or find something new, definitely check out a local comic book shop uh, anywhere that you can find one because they will be super happy to help you find things that are up your alley. But the pull list this week it is covering uh, some really cool stuff. One thing that is actually Eternals kind of movie related, a new Batman Black Label series, a uh, new indie number one, a few final issues of things. So some really cool stuff. And then we're going to wrap up the episode by talking Doom Patrol, season three, episode five, which was titled Dada Patrol. Uh, I probably will not be going super in depth with this episode because to be completely honest, I thought 
I felt like you could wrap up a lot of what was going on in just a few sentences. Um, I, and I did watch the episode twice. I have seen it twice now, but um, kind of kind of a kind of a lame duck episode in my opinion. But we will be going over it. It was still fun for various reasons, and we will talk about those reasons when we get there towards the end of this podcast episode. I don't know if you can hear that, but that was a brief purr interlude brought to you by my cat, Lucifer Sabrina, also known as Lucy, Lulu, Lululemon, or little butt nug that fell out of somebody's butt. Moving along. <laughs> you might be able to still hear her. She's sitting in my lap. Um, so that is how the episode is going to go today. Meanwhile, if you would like to question or comment or you know, contact me for whatever reason. You can find me online. The easiest way to do that is through Instagram. My username is Anna with the comics because that is my name and I have the comics. My Twitter is sensation. No, it's not. <laughs> it would be sensational she geek, but that's too many letters. So it is savage she geek. Um, and my website is where I post my website is, um, it's www.sensationalshegeek.weebly.com and that is where I have formally posted weekly, let's call them articles about comic book picks and polls and reviews and whatnot, various blog posts about things that I now cover in the podcast, but I used to write all of these things. Um, and so that is all there in the blog archive if you're interested in any of those older things, older than in the past two or three years max. I think I started this whole thing in 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 mid 2018 or 19, so it really hasn't been that long um, that I've had this website, but in the grand scheme of things at least. Um, but there you can also find my podcast pod notes, which is what I call the list, well really the um, the, the stuff that I take notes on throughout the week so that I remember what to talk about during the podcast and don't get too off track and I put those on the website so that they are accessible for anybody who would like to go back and reference something from the podcast without having to listen to it again or if you would like to um, read the podcast basically instead of listen to it or if you are hearing impaired and would like to keep up with things it is made available to you there. You can also find links to everywhere that you can listen to this podcast on my website which does include YouTube. My YouTube is again Sensational She Geek um, and that is where I post well of course all the podcast episodes in one nice little uh, 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 playlist. A podcast episode's in a pull list. No, it's a playlist. Um, and I also occasionally will post action figure review videos because that is the dorky life that we live in this house. Most recently, I posted the Hasbro uh, Marvel HasLab from 2020. It was the Sentinel. Um, that was $350 and it didn't come with batteries. So I will never stop harping on that, but it is really amazing. And you can see all about it, the unboxing, the reveal and the basics of um, what it's like and how to kind of handle it because there was the, the loose knees issue and I go over that all in the video as well. Previously, I've done some a fair amount of SH Figuarts uh, anime figures um, as well as a good amount of Marvel Legends and 
uh, Hasbro Black Series figures too. Finally, uh, supporting the podcast. The best way, as always, to support the podcast is just to share it with other people who you think will enjoy it, with your nerd communities, with your, you know, feminist communities, whatever it is that you are a part of. Um, share it with people who you think will enjoy it, because that is a, the best way to grow this community uh, so that the podcast can continue to be successful. Um, and, of course, you can always interact with it in whatever way that you can, uh, commenting on things and sharing it to boost it, whatever you can do. Um, those are the best and easiest ways, just so happens, to support the podcast. However, if you would like to get a little bit more complicated and add a little, uh, some money to it, um, you can donate to the podcast in a couple of ways. One is the Patreon that I have set up for the podcast. It's under Sensational She Geek, of course, pretty easy to find there. Um, the whole idea behind Patreon being you have a monthly subscription in return for content. Now, while I will never be charging to listen to this podcast, hopefully I will come to a point without being too far in the future here where I will have enough support through the Patreon and regular podcast subscribers that I will be able to do Patreon specials that premiere on the Patreon first, you know, a week or two in advance from going out to the public. Um, so that is something that will be happening in the future, but it takes people subscribing to the Patreon to get to that point because also all of the money that goes through the Patreon is going directly towards me not having to work my day job uh, so that I can have more time working on this podcast. And that goes as well for the Kofi that I have set up. Uh, it's K-O-F-I as their website. And I am on that under just SheGeek because it's much smaller amounts of letters you're able to have for your names there. And the idea behind that website is that you um, are donating a few bucks at a time for theoretically for your creator that you're supporting to go out and get a cup of coffee to continue creating their content. Um, and so I have both of those. As I said, the Kofi is under SheGeek and the Patreon is under Sensational SheGeek. And the more support I get from either of those, again, goes directly into me not having to work my day jobs often, as often, so that I can spend more time making the podcast better. Um, you know, I think I tried on the last podcast. I, I did one sound effect, and I, I honestly haven't gone back to listen how that's how that turned out. Um, but things like that are exactly what I mean by making the podcast better, um, getting more time to make it more of a kind of legitimate, uh, real podcast. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps up my intro section. Um, again, welcome to anyone who is new and welcome back to anyone who is returning. Let's go ahead and get things rolling with the news. As I mentioned in the beginning of the intro section, I have three different um, rumors here that come from the same source and are all somewhat connected, connected and are all MCU related. So let's go ahead and get into what all of that means. This is a scoop or rather a series of scoops, series of scoops from a man called Daniel Richmond who has a Patreon that apparently you can subscribe to and what you get in return for that is his apparently often reliable scoops um, on Marvel stuff. 
uh, Disney Marvel MCU stuff. So that all being said, I hope you understand all of this next, uh, these, these three rumors that have been reported by this guy. Take them all with a grain of salt. We have nothing confirmed through all of this. Um, but we'll talk about, you know, my own theories about what all this is when we get towards the end of this. So the three scoops that he has is that there is a Monica Rambeau TV show in the works. There is a Xiling Ten Rings TV show in the works and that there is an Illuminati project already in development at Marvel Studios. So starting off with the Monica Rambeau TV show rumor. This would be spinning off from WandaVision, of course, and starring WandaVision star Tayana Paris as Monica Rambeau again, of course. The Monica that we know in the MCU, we first saw her as a child in Captain Marvel, with her mother being Maria, Carol's <laughs> kind of, honestly, magical black woman, best her best friend, but that's kind of how it played out in the movie. We're getting better writers in the, in the sequel, don't worry. Um, while Carol did disappear off to be a space cop immediately after promising never to disappear again, Monica was left behind taking care of problems on Earth and her mother when she got sick. Uh, when we see her as an adult in WandaVision, a member of S.W.O.R.D. following in her mother's footsteps, Maria Rambeau uh, helped found S.W.O.R.D. in the first place, so that's the whole following in her mother's footsteps. And after her experience with Carol and the Kree and the Skrulls when she was when she was a child. In WandaVision, we have adult Monica taking charge of the situation, being the first person to step more or less willingly into Wanda's dome, and then doing it again and again after breaking free of Wanda's kind of mind control magic. Going through the dome multiple times like that messes with Monica's biology and she ends up gaining her powers that way. We're able to see her use them just a couple of times in the show, but it's honestly been nothing too crazy so far and she clearly has a lot of learning to do still. And I for one am excited that we might actually get to see more of that journey a lot sooner than I previously expected. And honestly, a lot more period than I previously expected. If we're getting a show about her, that's much more character development than I could have possibly thought before. So that's that's super cool. Again, take this all with a grain of salt. And still, I have to mention my own theory about Monica and Carol in the MCU, that they have some serious bad blood between them, but possibly that Carol is completely unaware of it as of yet. Carol was Maria Rambeau's best friend and Monica's basic surrogate aunt. They put that whole emotional scene in the movie of Maria telling Carol how much it hurt to lose her and how they, as in her and her daughter, can't take her doing that to them again. And Carol agrees and she apologizes, promising not to abandon them like that ever again. But then what happens? The movie ends and she goes back out into space for close to 30 years, if my count is correct. And the next time that she's on Earth again is when she has been summoned by Nick Fury's beeper post-Infinity War, and she arrives finally at Earth at the start of Endgame, 
30 years after last leaving Earth. In that time, Monica has grown, yes, but Maria has also gotten sick and Monica was snapped from her hospital bedside. When Monica returns five years later, her mother has already died and Monica wasn't able to be there by her side through any means. While Carol did return in the start of those five years, we know from Endgame that she spends most of most of that time, if not all of it, in space being a space cop. So the odds are she didn't have much time to stop by her old friend Maria, who likely then died alone in that hospital. Her daughter was disappeared and her best friend was too busy to care. This is all just my theory, sure, but it leaves so much room for her and Monica to hash their shit out and would explain a lot of Monica's stiffness when Carol is mentioned just a couple of times in WandaVision, which is 100% real and you can go back and see that and watch that yourself. In the comics, however, Monica gains her powers through being shocked by an electrical grid of sorts and becomes the first female Captain Marvel, the second of all time in the comics after Marvel, of course. Other names that she's taken through the years include Pulsar, Spectrum, and Photon, which are the main ones. Uh, bets are, I think, I think uh, bets are still out on which name she's going to take in the MCU. Uh, currently, she is Spectrum in the Marvel Universe, but her mother's, uh, I believe it was her mother's call sign in the Air Force was Photon, I believe, and so some people were, were theorizing possibly that is how she will be um, kind of like honoring her mother by using that name. However, in WandaVision, when she does gain her powers, it does seem pretty clear that they were kind of pushing us towards Spectrum because of the way they were showing her powers as viewing the whole spectrum of energy and light. So just things to think about. Um, Monica's powers in the comics are, of course, over the visible light spectrum, and she has, or not only visible light, the whole spectrum, and she has immense control over it, able to suck the light out of all of Las Vegas without much effort, as we saw in Strike Force. Speaking of teams, aside from Strike Force, she has been an Avenger and a leader of that team, a Mighty Avenger, a Marvel Diva, a member of S.W.O.R.D., the Ultimate, Next Wave, and before gaining any of her powers, the New Orleans Harbor Patrol. Number two of the three rumors from Daniel Richmond's apparent Patreon scoops is that there is an Illuminati project in development for Marvel Studios already. The traditional members of the comic Illuminati includes Tony Stark, Iron Man, Steve Rogers, Captain America, that is until they go against his advice and then wipe his memory of it and their group existing, uh, T'Challa's Black Panther, Namor, Submariner, Black Hacker, Bolt Agons, Black Bolt. Fun fact, it's, he's not called Black Bolt because of his costume and his powers. It's actually a foreshortened version of his name. Uh, Stephen Strange's Doctor Strange, Charles Xavier's Professor X, and of course, Reed Richards' Mr. Fantastic. How many times am I going to say of course in this episode? I feel like I keep saying it over and over again. Uh, these characters make up representatives of every major group of beings from the Marvel Universe on Earth. The humans, the Wakandans, the Atlanteans, the Inhumans, the Magic Users, the Mutants, and the Fantastic Four. 
there's some people who are theorizing that Disney Marvel might reuse the name Guardians of the Multiverse from the What If series finale that we saw last week. I don't really know why they would honestly come up with that theory, um, but okay, it's a fine theory, I guess. It's kind of out there, random. Um, the Illuminati are also notably the ones who send the Hulk off of Earth for the protection of humanity and accidentally initiate eventually World War Hulk, which I only mention because we're going to be meeting, meeting a new Hulk soon and it would be just like them to make her girl through some bullshit like that. But honestly, um, that would not happen if it was a female Illuminati, which I'll get to in a second. The final rumor that this uh, Daniel Richmond person has apparently put out is that there is a Ten Rings TV show being put out that is going to star Shang-Chi's sister, Zai Ling. Um, the movie Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings ended with the, you know, whatever, uh, ended with the lead character's sister, Zai Ling, uh, who would be the head of the Ten Rings after the passing of their father. It was honestly post credit scene that we saw with her, um, really badass moment with all of the women looking super strong and super scary. I completely loved it. I am totally here for her and her ninja sisters to destroy whatever they want, and I will happily watch that. Um, this is a spin-off, of course, from the Ten Rings, or featuring the Ten Ring organization from Shang-Chi, um, and it's also said that, uh, yeah, I already, the, <laughs> let's see if I can pronounce this. Menger Zhang. I'm sorry, I know that's wrong. The actress who played Xiling is going to be returning for the character, so that is awesome. It is not greenlit uh, officially, so just like all these other ones, it is simply apparently an idea that they are kind of working towards. So those are the three rumors. It is Monica Rambeau TV show, a Xiling TV show, and an Illuminati project all are in development. Now, if you want to know my theory on this, this Daniel guy is splitting one fact into three rumors for the clicks or whatever. Uh, the project that he is actually writing out here is a single Illuminati project starring women instead of men. Now, granted, this is my theory based off of a very uncertain rumor, so don't get your panties in a twist and also don't get too excited because this is most likely not what it is. <laughs> but it, it, you can easily replace any of what are the traditionally male characters in the Illuminati with women. You can get Pepper or Riri for Iron Man, both of who are going to be uh, included in the MCU. I don't know if Pepper will be back, but Riri's coming. You can get Carol for Steve, uh, Shuri or one of the Dormelage for Black Panther, probably someone we haven't um, known yet for Namor. Don't think they'll be touching in humans, honestly. Uh, Christine Everhart or someone else for Strange, and then someone we haven't met yet for Xavier and Reed. Or it could just start really small with Xiling as the like the human rep, the international rep maybe, Okoye for Wakanda, and then Monica for US interests, and you could even add Carol in there for space interests with what we're all kind of seeing now. And then of course you can add more as we get there and as the years go along. 
already you have a room full of a lot of power and a lot of what you might call, honestly, cocky hotheads, which is a very big trope or characteristic of the male Illuminati. They are always fighting for has the bigger political dick, who has the mightier sway on universal events, and who can get away with the most in the name of their cause, whatever that they choose to be at that point in time. While a female Illuminati hasn't appeared in the comics at all yet, um, I've been personally waiting for that to happen. And um, this could also take the shape of A-Force, which is the all-female um, com Marvel comic character team that's been seen in a couple of- it's had two different um, iterations now. And I know people have been really, really wanting an A-Force movie um, since, gosh, the start of the MCU, but definitely since they had that marvelous scene in Endgame. I'm sorry if you didn't like that scene, you have not read enough comics, so um, that's just my theory, that it could potentially just be one project. Again, this is all via via Daniel Richmond's apparent Patreon scoop, and who is really to say if any of that is legitimate at all, but it's super fun to discuss. Today we had the Eternals final featurette dropped, and there was a couple of teasers that came out through the week. Um, it's not a whole lot of stuff that we didn't already know, but I'm just gonna kind of go over what they said that was new, um, or and just a brief overview of, once again of the characters because there are ten new characters here, and a lot of the standard MCU viewing audience is completely unfamiliar with any of them and their history, so they're going in blind. So I will be going over that uh, all of them at this point. So this. Um, this featurette also comes along with a uh, a quote from director Chloe Zhao, who says that the Eternals movie is standing completely alone from the MCU ongoing multiverse storylines, but what happens in the movie will have huge implications on the future, she says. So, um, kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, the, Devi uh, the Deviants, the Eternals, were apparently instructed to only get involved in issues on Earth if Deviants were involved, which um, I guess that kind of shows us that they're not going to be going with the idea that Thanos is a Deviant at all, so they're not going to make that connection. That's kind of disappointing, not going to lie, but whatever, they're granted their own creative devices. There is a lot of talk about how uh, from the actors and things about how this is a global movie in the sense that the characters are global. You're going to be seeing a lot of superheroes who look different from any other superheroes that we've seen on the big screen ever. And then the most notable thing to me, uh, we got a new image of a celestial. We'd seen the red one before. This one, however, is more or less green. Uh, seems to be standing there making universes in its hands or something. Um, it has some kind of wing-like structures on its back and is seemingly standing just among the stars. Unimaginably large. Again, making some kind of worlds and universes in its hand, so that's how big this thing is. Um, based on my comic knowledge, they do obviously look like Celestials from the comics, um, but they have that definite 
uh, MCU stylization to them. So I don't think that's going to be too hard for comic readers to make the connection of or for MCU readers to make the connection of if they move forward to comics. Did I say MCU readers? Whatever, you know what I mean. We get Richard Madden's Icarus saying Eternals Assemble in a couple of these teasers, which is funny for several reasons. Um, and I kind of wonder if this is one of those things that just feels like, you know, sometimes they put stuff in trailers and it doesn't show up in the movie. That's what him saying Eternals Assemble feels like. I don't, I'll be surprised if we hear that in the movie. I honestly think that was just something that they put in the trailer. We'll see. I just get that vibe from his. And the characters, we're going to go over them very quickly here. Um, I think I have all of their, yeah, all of the actors listed here as well. So one of the things that kind of made me think of this is Gemma Chan, who plays Cersei, was talking in one of uh, the, uh, the featurette about the 10 characters. She said that there are five who are thinkers and there are five who are strong fighters. So I figured that was a pretty easy way to go through and list the names. The five who are thinkers, of course, you have Cersei, who's played by Gemma Chan. She's kind of like a mothering figure in the group. Fastos is played by Brian Tyree Henry. He is a builder. Druig is played by Barry something Irish last name. Um, it's got a G and an H in it. I don't know. Kill him. I don't know. Um, but he is, uh, he has mind control powers. And then you have Sprite, who is played by Leah McHugh, who is an eternal child, as in eternally a child. Um, but what, what would you say her powers are? I'm honestly not sure. That was really poorly planned on my part. <laughs> She's eternally a child. That's all I got. So Ajak is played by Salma Hayek in the movie. Ajak is traditionally a male character in the comics and is more or less um, the leader traditionally as well of the Eternals. And Ajak is, as we have kind of developed the character into the movie version a little bit for the comics, uh, Ajak is basically a priestess. Icarus is played by Richard Madden. He is their Superman, for lack of a better better explanation. Anthena, played by Angelina Jolie, is their warrior woman. This team is all superheroes, and this is a superhero team that does not get away without hitting on a bunch of those superhero team cliches. So there's your Superman, there's your warrior woman. Uh, Gilgamesh is played by Don Lee. I believe he is a builder as well. I'm not 100% sure. Um, Makari is played by Lauren Ridloff, and she is their speedster, is another trope. Uh, but she is deaf and mute, apparently, as revealed in the recent Eternal Celestia comic, due to priestess things. <laughs> talking to gods or trying to talk to gods and by gods I mean celestials and then finally we have Kingo who is uh, played by Kumail Nanjiani who is I believe uh, has like weapon weapon kind of explosive powers so those are the characters that we are going to be mainly focusing on for the Eternals movie. It does come out on November 5th, so that is less than a month away. And tickets are on sale. I will probably be seeing it opening weekend, if not opening night, because stuff happens. 
Um, but I'm pretty excited for this. I know there's a lot of big name actors in this, and of course we will be seeing Kit Harrington as the Black Knight, or at least as the character who, uh, Dane Whitman, there we go, as Dane Whitman, who becomes the Black Knight, which we may be seeing happen in this movie. Um, so we have a lot of really cool stuff to look forward to. I do want to add that there has been a world of rumors that uh, the characters of Ajax and Orthena are going to be cut out as in killed pretty early on in the movie because of the big name actresses. It's probably the reason why that rumor got started. They cost a lot of money, etc, um, etc. Et um, but we'll have to wait and see what legitimacy there is to that claim on November 5th. For comic readers... Um, if you have not read Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, not to be a cliche, but you are missing out. That being said, a little bit of asterisk on that uh, for the fact that this is not a comic for people of innocent minds or eyes or ages. Um, there is a lot of nudity, a lot of blatant sex, a lot of extremely blatant violence, um, and extremely mature themes. That being said, uh, if you're cool with that stuff, you need to read Saga. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think that there has been an interaction I have had with comic readers where Saga is brought up and they haven't read it and they don't love it. I don't think that's happened. I think most of the comic reading community is on board with Saga by now um, for good goddamn reasons. But the news we have is, I'm sure you've heard because everybody has been losing their brains, uh, Saga is back. Saga is coming back. January 26th, Brian K. Vaughn posted that issue 55 will finally be out. Saga has been on hiatus since July of 2018. I cannot believe it has been that long. That last issue, spoiler alert, but that last issue where Marco gets killed by the Will... I thought he got killed by a robot man. Prince Robot. Whatever. He gets killed. Holy shit. Um, no, that was a lot. Um, I clearly need to refresh a little bit, but that is burned into my mind because this was a story about Markle, Markle, Marco, Alana, and their daughter, Hazel. And we have lost a third of that cast. I might sound dramatic. If you haven't read Saga, I'm sure I sound dramatic and completely ridiculous like a weeb in junior high school or something which I don't mean as judgment, I just am using that for comparison. You just gotta, you gotta read Saga to understand it. Um, the cover for 55, it shows Alana, who looks super different. She's kind of toned down. Her wings are either gone or hidden. Her hair is naturally, obviously her brown's coming in, but it's been bleached and it's somewhat mid-length and she's wearing what we might call normal modern day clothes um, and possibly handing out pamphlets of some kind. And then Hazel is there and she is a few years older. Her horns are a bit smaller and she is wearing a blue suit, which 
something is telling me that she is testing out her gender expression, possibly having been inspired by Petricor. There is a third figure with them on the cover who is kind of indescribable. <laughs> He's a large pink dude with a robot arm, koala ears, and like a triangle nose. I don't I don't know, man. And he's got like a bat or something. It's I don't know. He's maybe their bodyguard. <laughs> maybe he's the stepdad. I hope not. That's Alana. You can do better. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we'll end up really loving this character. Who the hell knows? Um, this Vaughn also said that this is the start to the second half of the story. So we're getting. Uh, 54 issues at the front half and 54 issues at the back half. Um, there is a quote from this press release. It says, I can't thank, this is obviously, can't thank readers. I can't thank readers and retailers enough for their patience. I think our next 54 issues will be even more shocking, strange, and spectacular than the first 54. So we can't wait to get back, to be back on the shelves at your local comic book shop soon. Fiona Staples admitted that she has really missed connecting with the comic book readers and is excited to turn to return to Hazel's world. There's a quote from her here saying, the next arc is already going places I never imagined and I'm so grateful that we're able to keep doing this. If you need anything else to convince you to read Saga, the story is commonly characterized as an epic space fantasy opera uh, comparable with the Star Wars universe, but far more raw. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff Star Wars doesn't touch on with the evils of life. <laughs> life forms in general. Um, that Saga talks about blatantly. So um, again, if you are a person who doesn't like dark themes or genitalia in your comics, Maybe don't read Saga, but get your friends to read Saga because they're going to love it. Next up, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas Special Rumors, part one of two of the James Gunn rumors this week. Um, there was a tweet uh, by James Gunn teasing basically the greatest hero of the MCU that will be introduced in the Christmas special for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, people seem to be thinking that he's talking about Adam Warlock, but the quote itself, if you... If you read it, it is, in my incredibly subjective and admittedly often odd opinion, we'll be introducing one of the greatest MCU characters of all time. So while I understand why people think that he's talking about Adam Warlock, I think he's talking about Santa Claus. Um, Gunn is not the type of creator who would tweet something like that seriously, in my opinion, or ever even claim to name one single greatest hero unless it was obviously some kind of joke. Santa has appeared in a number of ways in the Marvel Universe, including as a villain a number of times, and Kris Kringle is an actual character. He is a mutant, believe it or not. Um, the Christmas special, what we know about it otherwise, is that it is going to be running under 40 minutes, but it's going to be starring Star-Lord, Drax the Destroyer, Mantis, Nebula, Groot, and Rocket Raccoon for a story that will take place after their time with Thor, but before the, the search for Gamora that is apparently going to be happening in the third movie based on comments made by Gunn, just like 
the Eternals movie, the special won't just be a standalone entry in the MCU. What happens when this show or whatever you want to call it, the special will somehow have an impact on everything that comes next in the MCU. Other main guesses for what this character he may be talking about includes Pip the Troll, who has been, I believe, referenced, if not outright mentioned, and Nova, aka Richard Ryder, who has been referenced, I guess? We've seen other Novas, we have yet to see Richard Ryder, so potentially fun stuff to be looking forward to, but I would almost bet money that it's going to be Santa Claus. The other half of the James Gunn related news for this week is the Adam Warlock casting has been officially announced and confirmed. Adam Warlock is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, played by British actor Will Poulter, confirmed by James Gunn via, via Twitter. Poulter, if you are unfamiliar, is known for the movies Where the Miller, The Maze Runner, The Chronicles of Narnia, and apparently Midsummer. Midsummer. Um, and he is also the Google result when you search who is the actor with the eyebrows. Or at least that's what Google suggested when I searched him. So, cool. <laughs> Back in March, this is something that's kind of funny, I think. Back in March, uh, there is a website called The Illuminati, which is a kind of a trash uh, <laughs> rumor reporting site. They reported that the casting for uh, Adam Warlock was already underway, and they tweeted that, and uh, they said that James Gunn was looking for a, quote, Zac Efron type. And so they tweeted all that, and James Gunn fired back on Twitter, or what was at the time looked like he was firing back. Uh, he said, there is no casting underway for volume three. And what in the world would I cast? I'm sure he meant why. Would I cast a Caucasian if the actor, if the character has gold skin? <laughs> and if I wanted a Zac Efron type, wouldn't I go for Zac Efron? <laughs> Welp. <laughs> uh, here we are with Gun now revealing Adam Warlock will be played by a Caucasian British Zac Efron type. So exactly what they thought. Illuminati was right this time. And I guess Gunn was trying to make himself look woke there with the why would I make, why would I cast a Caucasian actor for a gold skin character? Was, was he trying to sound woke? Because he did, he did that. So, <laughs> just kind of falls right through the bottom there, doesn't it? Um, and Twitter, of course, has been already aflame with jokes. This was announced earlier today, and it's already been completely overflowing with jokes made, uh, making funny with um, his his famously dorky and awkward teen-looking face, uh, Will Poulter. <laughs> Which is, you know, on one hand, kind of fair game, because... You know, you know, it is always ten times worse for women. Um, but while my husband is furious about this casting, and I'm going to let him have that one, uh, I do think that Poulter is going to surprise everybody. Remember Chris Pratt? That's all I should have to say, because that was a pretty big 180. And now, honestly, where he's moved on to now is also quite the change. But physically, physically is what we're talking about here. And physically, he made everybody believe that he was Star-Lord. So 
let's see if Will Poulter can make people believe that he is Adam Warlock. Over at DC, we do have a bit of news here. Um, confirmed today by DC Comics official pages and also the creators involved, John Kent, son of Clark and Lana Kent. Lana? Lana? <laughs> Lois, why did I say Lana? I just, my head, I had to stop and think for a second. I confused myself. Clark and Lois. <laughs> There we go. Uh, he is bisexual. Yay! Be gay to crime! Um, this is the same John Kent who did recently, I, I guess, get back from spending time with the Legion of Superheroes in the future. Um, and he returned older than the age he was, which was the same age as Damian Wayne, uh, which is the one thing that I'm like, still like, I wish... They were the same age because Super Sons was awesome. But now he's so much older than him. It'd be kind of weird if they hung out like that. I don't know. Maybe we'll see something happen that'll fix that. Um, but John Kent has been confirmed as bisexual. Uh, from a quote from Variety I have here says, John Kent, currently known as the Superman of Earth, will come out in the November 9th issue of Superman, Son of Kal-El number five, which is written by Tom Taylor with art by John Timms. When he starts a romantic relationship with reporter Jay Nakamura, indicating the Kryptonian apple does not fall far from the tree. It's my best news reporter voice. Um, there is also a quote from Tom Taylor here saying, I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. And I'm very grateful for DC and Warner Brothers sharing that idea. Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. And this, of course, does have to... You have to mention that back in August, they also published an issue where Tim Drake... This was, uh... This was... Oh, gosh... I believe it was um, Batman Urban Legends. Uh, Tim Drake, which he was Robin, now he is, I believe, Red Robin. Uh, Robin being one of the many, many Batman sidekicks. Uh, he came out as bisexual as well. Other characters who are queer in DC Comics include Batwoman, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, of course, Scott, Al Scott Allen, <laughs> Alan Scott, who is the first Green Lantern, Iceman, who is from Marvel, um, America Chavez, also from Marvel, and from Marvel again, Northstar, who was very notably one of the first openly gay comic book characters when he came out in 1992 after the comic book uh, authority finally allowed you to be gay in comics, because believe it or not, that was illegal at one point in time. <laughs> What a world we live in, right? Um, and also something I kind of wanted to mention here, just because I was talking to my husband about it and he mentioned this, uh, Brian Michael Bendis on a podcast interview recently said that the relationship John Kent had with the fill in the blank, the name of the superhero girl from the Legion of Superheroes um, in the future wasn't so much romantic as it was platonic. I don't really think that makes sense, but okay. Um, but that, you know, if you're looking for signs of him being 
gay in the past or whatever, liking dudes. Maybe you can go with that. Um, and that was him hinting at that possibly. I don't know. I'm I'm just saying things, dude. <laughs> look up look up the news for yourself. <laughs> so really, I'm super happy that we're able to have characters like this being openly gay and whatnot in comics because there was a time where we couldn't do that. So this is huge leaps and strides and it's being the current Superman of Earth. Who knows if that will stick, but uh, no doubt they will be able to make his queerness stick. And that leaves us with House of the Dragon. The Game of Thrones prequel TV series did have a trailer drop last week. The first trailer, which is really the first major look we've had at it. Um, because they were kind of trying to do it quietly because of the whole failure and and massive everybody. I don't think anybody liked the end of Game of Thrones. I don't think anybody did. I would be very surprised to find people who genuinely enjoyed the last, let's say, three episodes of Game of Thrones. Genuinely thought that was the best possible way it could have ended for the fans to enjoy. I, there's no way. There's no way. Um, I know people People date each other and pretend to be horses, and that's how they get off, but that's there's no way anybody likes the end of Game of Thrones. Um, so I think they kind of been hush-hush about House of the Dragon for a while, uh, letting people maybe hopefully forget that, but the North remembers. And by the North, I mean... Idiots like me on the internet. <laughs> uh, but what's actually truly funny, if I can just sidebar for a second, what's truly funny about the whole Game of Thrones finale debacle is how far it crossed into other cultures. Um, you had... Like, Game of Thrones was a global phenomenon. I don't think you can... I don't think you can say that's not true. Um, it was something we hadn't had um and it hit people in their ooh bone i don't know what well, i just this is it it it's it's it stretched such a large swath of people on the world um and the fact that pretty much as far as i've seen literally everybody feels the same way about that ending that's impressive <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, well, one, impressively bad. Um, you gotta really, really mess up to make the entire viewing audience of the world agree that you messed up. Um, and also, it's just impressive in that, like, we as a culture came together to kind of agree on one thing, period. And that's... Congratulations to us, I guess. But, um... I never talked about this because this trailer for House of the Dragon, because I'm honestly not sure if I'm going to be watching it. Um, I will probably be watching the first few episodes at the very least. It will depend on the first few episodes, if not the first episode, I suppose. Um, Damon Targaryen, who is apparently going to be our lead character, he is played by Matt Smith, <laughs> famous for being the dorky 12th Doctor from Doctor Who, and also Prince Philip? Edward from the crown um I honestly plenty of faith in his acting chops I think if you've just seen him in a couple episodes of Doctor Who you will understand that he did great I know a lot of people didn't like him but categorically did a good job um 
And after watching the trailer finally today, I do think uh, what I'm going to want from this show is powerful lunacy and massive ceremony. I want to see, you know, ridiculous overdone gaudy gowns and and you know stupid Zack Snyder deep style slow-mos of dragons and royalty and crowns being placed on heads and bullshit like that <laughs> I want that I don't want to see a show that's just what I'm worried this is which is gonna be you know insane rulers causing deep pain and suffering to everyone in any way that they can give me fun psychotic rich people who have dragons that's the show that I want from House of the Dragon I want it to be fun psychos moving along now we have the new comic book day pull list so running through the things that we're going to discuss there really quickly Eternals Forever E-T-E-R number one Batman the Imposter number one Vampiverse number two Harley Quinn the Animated Series The Eat Bang Kill Tour number two Mamo number four Maneaters The Cursed number four Superman and the Authority number four X-Men number four Homesick Pilots number ten Strange Adventures number twelve Iron Man number thirteen and very very briefly the Avengers number 49 um, and there is a number of obviously as you could tell number ones in this as a number of final issues in this so let's get going on comics starting with Eternals Forever this is not in line I mean it's not a story that is included in the Kieran Gillen, Asad Ribic Eternals that have been going on that Eternal Celestia was for, but it does feature the same characters in the same versions that they are in now in the comics, which is in line with who they are in the movies. Um, and it does, I, I wasn't really sure about Celestia versus this one. Celestia was the one shot introduction of the characters Ajak and Makari in their modern versions as we will be seeing them in the movie this eternals forever this is the prelude to the movie slash prep for the movie reintroduction of the characters it says that it's a one-shot prelude to the movie a reintroduction of the characters that's that's basically from marvel what it is now i'm i'm i'm, I'm not sure but it says it's written by ralph macchio which Huh? <laughs> but then it's also, uh, let's see, art by Ramon Box and coloring by Rochelle Rosenberg, who actually is on a number of things this week. So go you, Rochelle. Um, also, she's apparently a bodybuilder if you find her online. I was blown the frick away. Wild stuff, man. She is a beast and also a really good colorist. Uh, what we have for Eternals Forever solicitation, which is giving us a very brief introduction to what's going to be happening in the issue, um, potentially also maybe something that might happen in the movie. It says Icarus. Ic oh my god, I can't believe I just said that. Icarus, <laughs> agent of the Deviants. The Deviants have captured Icarus. Now under their control, Icarus has been brainwashed into assassinating Ajak. It's up to Gilgamesh and Sprite to stop him and prevent all-out war between the Eternals and the Deviants. I don't think it's too far there of a stretch to assume that um, possibly in the Eternals movie, Icarus is going to be the one to kill Ajak, because if you remember earlier, I did mention that Ajak and Thena are rumored to die pretty early on in the movie, so that's kind of my theory here is Icarus is going to be brainwashed into killing Ajak, and that may be what... Um, what draws Cersei kind of away from him. 
um, and towards Dane Whitman, who will at some point become or realize that he is the Black Knight. But pick this issue up if you want to get to know the characters before the movie, um, as they are currently in the Marvel Universe. E.T.E.R. number one is a one-shot of two stories by writers Dan Panosian, who I'm a pretty big fan of, and Jeff McCombsy, with with artist Javier Polito and Sean Crystal. Um, This one is... Seems pretty funny. I gotta read you the the whole solicitation for it. Intergalactic virus liquefy one of your heads? Feeling a bit off ever since you drove through that black hole? Then visit ETER, the galaxy's leading medical facility. This interplanetary crew of doctors, nurses, paramedics, and technicians is uniquely qualified to cure what ails you. There's no planet too far, no asteroid too small, no patient too, well, alien, and they accept, accept most forms of insurance. This supersized debut special includes two stories of medical madness that are out of this world. Again, this is a one-shot, two-shot, I guess, technically. Um, I will definitely be picking this up because it sounds freaky weird, and I love that. Batman the Imposter number one is a three-issue black label series about Batman one year into being Batman uh, when a dupe of Batman starts killing people. It is written by director and screenwriter Matson Tomlin, who is apparently done Project Power and Little Fish, two things I've never heard of, um, and Eisner Award-winning suspense and horror artist Andrea Sorrentino, who did Joker Killer Killer Smile, also Gideon Falls. So pretty solid art. Not a clue what Mattson Tomlin's like, but what it says briefly here... There's a second Batman haunting Gotham's rooftops and alleys, and this one has no qualms about murdering criminals live and on tape. With the entire might of the Gotham City Police Department and Gotham's rich and powerful coming down on his head, Batman must find the imposter and somehow clear his name. But how can you prove your innocence from behind a mask? It's a cool concept. Um, It's taking advantage of one of the things that um, I don't think anybody's really taking advantage of. The anonymity anonymity, of Batman. You know what I meant. Vampiverse has been a fun series already with just one issue out. This week we're getting the second issue starring again uh, a multiverse of Vampirellas and they are all being hunted by Bloodwing who is themselves a Vampirella. Um, This is by Tom uh, Snigoski with Jeanine Jeanine Atchison, sorry, and Daniel Maine on art. There is a super, super sick cyberpunk cover by uh, one of my favorite cover artists, Megan Hetrick. At the very least, Google it because it is a stunner. Truly, truly a stunner. Um, if you want to know a bit about it, here's a solicit. It says, the mysterious and deadly Bloodwing is killing all the Vampirellas throughout the fabric of reality, but who is he and why is he doing this? Now, sidebar, I don't know why it's saying he. We've already found out this is Vampirella, so I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a male Vampirella? It's up to Vampirella to learn the secrets of Bloodwing and stop him. Thanks to the Book of Prophecy, in a very unexpected way, Vampirella embarks on her most mind-bending adventure yet, traveling the various threads of the fabric to rally 
threads of the fabric to rally the vampirellas of the multiple realities to join her in stopping the extermination of herself. But first, an apocalyptic world trans- first stop, an apocalyptic world transformed by a chaos plague. Will the vampirella of this ravaged world heed our vampirella's warning, or will she too fall to the savagery of Bloodwing? I wanted to read all of that because it gives you a very, very solid idea of what to expect in this series, and it does follow through um, in a good way. Harley Quinn, the Eat, Bang, Kill Tour number two. Uh, there is a super cute Babstar Sirens cover. So I def definitely recommend checking that out. This is by T. Franklin with Max Saren on art. It is based on the first issue. Now I know that it's already, it's coming digital first, so it is out digitally, but I'm just sticking with print. So excuse me while I am on only issue two here. <laughs> uh, the first issue was really cute in that Max Saren seems to be able to capture, of course, the characters really, really well, but also the characterization of them, T. Franklin, um, see, particularly with Commissioner Gordon, seems to be taking him in a certain direction that kind of picked up in the show and definitely seems to be continuing here in the series, the comic series, of him just kind of slowly losing his sanity, um, kind of in a bit more serious way. <laughs> um, so that's probably something we're going to keep seeing as this goes on. And it says... On the Road to Romance, a.k.a. an Ataxia, I don't know what Ataxia is, Ataxia-filled Thelma and Louise-style road trip. Harley and Ivy head to Catwoman's to ask for a massive favor. Hey, Selena's a natural-born cat sitter. Meanwhile, Commissioner Gordon, on the hunt for the Chaos Queen herself, crosses a line he might not be able to come back from. Mama number four of five comes out this week. This is from, I believe, Scout Comics and has been a, a complete delight. Um, it is full of so... It is just cover-to-cover -cover Studio Ghibli vibes with a little bit of Terry Pratchett Discworld in there as well. Um, Mamo is... The character of Mamo is the deceased witch whose granddaughter has whose name is Orla has come to this village to help Anne track down her ghost um and kind of fix the whole situation of Mamo haunting things um and there's all kinds of tension rising throughout the spiritual community in this world again think Studio Ghibli vibes Discworld vibes magic is just kind of a thing it's it's normal um and it looks like, based on the solicitation for this book, in discovering whatever the secret that Mamo died with, she is going, Orla is going to have to decide if her fate leads her away from this town, which she does not want to be in, or if she should stay there. Um, which I think is also a really great coming of age story. Um, and of course, she's a witch herself as well, so um, you get a lot of really cool, like, hedge witch tidbits in this. Man Eaters the Curse comes from one of my absolute favorite, if not the greatest, comic creative team to ever create comics, and I am not exaggerating. This issue is called Blood Magic, where Maud and Bert are following clues that are going to lead them to the root cavity of the old tree and into the underground labyrinth beyond the island. It says Bert is annoying and Maud is brave, but then again, the comic is written from her perspective. I mean, come on, that shit's funny. Like, smart funny. 
Maneaters the Cursed is written by the same team that did the original Maneater series, which was 12 issues, as well as Spy Island, which was four issues and remains one of my absolute top, probably five favorite miniseries of all time. Superman and the Authority is Grant Morrison's last work at DC Comics here alongside Mikhail Janin, and this will be the last issue of it with number four coming out this week. Um, it's the ultra humanite with going up against the Man of Steel's group that he's put together. Um, it's just going to be some fun. Whatever the conclusion is here, um, I honestly can't tell you if it's going to be taken anywhere for DC. There's, I mean, I, I don't even know if this is canon or not. It's very hard to tell. Um, but I'm hoping that we get maybe some clarification in this last issue. Either way, this has been a joy to follow along with. Um, as one of Grant Morrison's last works at DC. Well, no, it is Grant Morrison's, Grant Morrison's last work at DC, um, which I think is a big enough deal to pick it up as any. Jerry Duggan's X-Men number four with art by Pepe Larraz is apparently going to be a Halloween issue featuring the Headless Horseman and possibly involving the character of Nightmare, according to some theorizers on the internet. Homesick Pilots number 10 is unfortunately the final issue by Dan Waters and Kaspar Wingard. Um, this was one of those ones that you get a couple of pages into the first issue and you are hooked. You are completely into it. Um, every issue has been great. I have not been disappointed by a single one. Um, and I'm very sad that it's coming to an end. I kind of see that it needs to uh, before it starts getting too drawn out, but uh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it, but I definitely recommend that you read it if you are interested in, let me think, Ghost Stories and Haunted Mansions. I think that's a good enough teaser. Strange Adventures number 12. Uh, this was pushed back from the end of September, which I already went over all of it there. Um, so I won't go over it again now because I'm lazy. Um, and this is by Doc, Doc King. Jesus. Tom King, Doc Shaner, and Mitch Gerrids. There's some really excellent symbolism in the art of the covers if you check those out, especially number one versus number 12. Um... I'm just super excited to see how this goes, um, to see who who was right, whose theories were right. <laughs> Iron Man number 13, once again, I am here for Patsy and Patsy alone, uh, Patsy Walker being Hellcat. Um, what it says in the solicitation, very long-winded, but one sentence mentions Cantoni and War Machine, Hellcat, Scarlet Spider, Frogman, Gargoyle, Misty Knight, and Halcyon, and this fight once and for all. If you, want, if you want to ask me, probably not. Um, it doesn't look like these characters, or at least these side characters, are going to be in the next few issues, which means I will also not be reading the next few issues. And finally, that leaves us off with Avengers number 49, which is part four of World War She-Hulk, which is the very poorly named and poorly written uh, kind of plotline they're going on right now. <laughs> And it's going to apparently wrap up in next month's issue, Legacy 750, which will also happen to be 
issue 50 of this because they kind of timed that out in the beginning issue one issue 700 you get the point but that was um I'm not looking forward to this issue <laughs> I'm just mentioning it because if I'm going to be uh like you know bitching about it I I have to I have to actually read it and that sucks because I it's, it, it does suck. <laughs> it's bad. Um, but the She-Hulk show comes out next year, and so does a new She-Hulk series, so hopefully we'll have a nice palate cleanser. The last thing that we'll cover here on the podcast today is Doom Patrol Season 3, Episode 5, which did premiere on HBO Max this past Wednesday, and was titled Dada Patrol. As I said in the beginning of this podcast, this was a little bit of a meh episode for me in that uh, the things that happened were interesting, but um, I feel like it could be summed up really easily. <laughs> uh, basically, the Doom Patrol decides to listen to their, what is her name, Laura, the strange time-traveling visitor, and go searching for the sisterhood of Dada, who... Uh, she says, needs to be infiltrated and stopped from the inside. Unsurprisingly, it does not go as easily as she kind of promises, and the entire group gets your strange psychic tests going on with both familiar and unfamiliar faces, and they all end up pretty much miserable by the end of it. Um, the episode does start with MC with My Chemical Romance's song, The Kids From Yesterday, which is pretty funny for a number of reasons, mainly because the lead singer Gerard Way did spend a good while writing Doom Patrol for DC's Young Animal imprint just a few years ago, so that was a nice little shout out for them to do there. There is also a scene where the characters make vague references to Michelle Rodriguez, who is playing uh, Laura slash Madame Rouge. Michelle Rodriguez's many sci-fi fantasy characters that she has done, such as the Mistress on Doctor Who and Madame Satan on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is also a great show, except for the last episode, which literally sucked ass. Um, but yeah, that uh, that was kind of a fun moment. And the episode ended with a last girl getting extremely drunk and yelled at by Madame Rouge slash Laura, who she thought that she was getting on the friend side with. Um, and so she kind of pouts and decides to take her, as in Laura, Laura's time machine, somewhere. I don't know. She turns it on. Who knows if she's actually going to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> but the the what we know about her kind of story is... For some reason, Michelle Rodriguez's character can transform into her, as well as into other things. Um, and we now know after this episode that Elastigirl was also in the past with her um, for whatever reason. So uh, what I'm thinking is she's going to go into the past, she's going to live out her past with her. And so that's why Michelle Rodriguez's character shows up in the present looking like her because she needs to get her to continue on the path that she was already on, if that makes any sense. A whole time travel covering your butt stuff, so. Uh, that That's all I got for the Dada Patrol. Um, I'm not sure what's happening this coming week, but we do have, you know, several. We have at least, what, six or seven episodes left, so um, it's gonna be a good while before we start to get to the climax of the show this season. 
And that wraps up this week's episode of Sensational She Geek live from Yancey Street. The next episode is planned for Friday the 15th. Um, I will say now that it may be the 16th when that episode goes up, just because I am foreseeing a little bit of busyness in my schedule this week. So uh, TBD, but Friday or Saturday, the 15th or the 16th, uh, for episode 37B featuring comic book picks titans episode 12 and potentially doom patrol episode 6 because we don't have a what if episode this week i don't think they're going to do a behind the scenes uh, on disney plus either however if they do you bet your booty i will be talking about it um oh and that just about covers it so have a nice week don't get a cold because it is a bit chilly and um be nice to your fellow life forms and as always get heckin sweaty about comics